When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Inside Mizzou Athletics, presented by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Kelly. Welcome to this week's Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast, brought to you by Shelter Insurance. I'm Mike Kelly. Coming up on this week's show, we'll hear from Mizzou's Director of Athletics, Jim Sterk, and we'll also introduce you to Missouri's new offensive coordinator in football, Derek Dooley. We'll hear from Jim Sterk after this message from our friends at Shelter Insurance. At Shelter Insurance, we know landlords have to keep up with their renters, even if they're related. Mom, Dad, what a surprise. We just dropped by to pick up your... Rent check. Oh, I'm running a little short this month. Not everything works as smoothly as Shelter's renter's policy. It helps cover stuff in case of fire, theft, and more. Maybe I should just move back home. Uh... Don't you love me? Of course. But now your room's Dad's man cave. Oh, man. Shelter Insurance. We're your shield. We're your shelter. Hi, I'm Mike Kelly. First up on this week's podcast, a conversation with Mizzou's Director of Athletics, Jim Sterk. As you look at both the men's and women's programs, I mean, Robin obviously has an established product that, that has been put together over the last several years. Her team's 21-5. and five. They're in a position to perhaps get a top 16 seed in the NCAA tournament and perhaps host at home for the first time ever. Meanwhile, in just his first year, Conzo's positioned his team, despite the loss yesterday, uh, latest bracketology, as I talked about at the top of the hour, at least from Jerry Palm, had Mizzou still as a seven seed at 18 and nine on the season with, with four games left to play in the regular season. Then, of course, the SEC tournament. But the, the fact that both teams could return to the NCAA tournament this year means what really for Mizzou Athletics? Uh, you know, I think both of them, you know, uh, as you said, Robbins and in, in more of a has been a, building it uh, longer, but but Conzo has jumped right in and obviously had great success and and we're hoping to to finish strong. How about the men's yesterday? Did the was it? Am I correct? in all the top five teams lost and the bottom teams won, and it was a it was a crazy day. So great parity in the league. Yeah, you are correct in that. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, Mizzou loses by one, 64-63. And as we've talked about multiple times, struggled from the free throw line. You have those games, chance to bounce back on Tuesday. 
Interesting read yesterday in the Post-Dispatch here locally, authored by Dave Matter, talking to you about the topic of student-athlete safety and, and, and promoting a safe environment within the athletic department at Missouri. You said that's a priority for you moving forward here in 2018. Can you elaborate on that? Um, just that I, I think we do provide one of the best student-athlete experiences, and and we don't want to lose that. And I think well, I wanted to make sure that every student-athlete, and, and, and I know every student, you know, uh, the opportunity, if there is, is something that goes on, that uh, something happens, that there is a, a, a safe place to go, the Title IX office, and, and make sure that they know that that's there. But I think we, we have, I think it was ranked in the top 10 as far as one of the safest places to go to school in the country. And I, I think we can continue that, but, but you need to stay diligent with that and make sure you communicate and make, um, make sure our student athletes feel that way. I know our coaches do a great job with that and we have a great staff that's involved with our Mizzou made program as far as, um, you know, them not only having success on and off the court and in the classroom and all, but also personally developing. And so, it's a big part. <clears throat> excuse me. It's a big part of what we do. Mizzou made was was started as really a hashtag, as as really kind of a, a a a moniker, if you will, to describe the experience that a student athlete in football would have at the University of Missouri. It has now been um, expanded to really more of an overall program for every student athlete. So, in your mind, explain for the listeners what exactly is Mizzou made. Well, that that they can come here as a, as a teenager and, and leave as a, a young adult with uh, really prepared for the rest, you know, the next 40 or 50 years of their life. And, and so it's, it's really pushing them forward on the athletic front, being um, um, diligent in the classroom so that they have a degree that'll serve them the rest of their, their life. And then, and then on the personal side, being able to understand, okay, Here's here's how we work in a diverse environment. Here's how we um, we network for as far as positioning them to get a job. Start thinking about that earlier, and and by the time that they're done, they're they're prepared. They have a they have a resume. They have experiences that um, that can help positioning them for for the next step in their life. Brian Smith has done it again. Third ranked in the country is the Mizzou wrestling team. They finish the regular season. 7-0 and in the MAC, but also going 19-0 and during the course of the regular season with a, an impressive win on the road at Oklahoma State this year. Yeah, Brian's done a great job, and he's, uh, you know, we talk about winning it right and doing it the right way and competing for championships, but but doing it with respect and integrity, and there's no one better. And, and uh, they've got a chance. I mean, they're, they have the Max and then the NCAs, and um, I know they're pushing, and they, I think they're positioned to have the possibility of, of being on the, on the podium and winning, a, winning a, uh, a trophy at the end. And so I think that that, uh, that program continues to flourish under a, uh, under a great leader. I want to talk in, in just a moment about the SEC tournament coming to St. Louis, but, but Jim, as you look at the overall kind of a broad-based look at college athletics from the director of athletics chair, as, as we move forward further into 2018, what are some of the biggest challenges for college athletics moving forward? Well, I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the basketball, that, that and, and getting an understanding mm-hmm of what's going on, um, you know, nationally and what we can do to position basketball to move forward as opposed to backward. And, and I'm not sure where, where that's at and, and what's, 
what'll what'll happen with that but i think that's a that's a priority i think um as far as that that student athlete experience i think we need to not to lose that in 2018 and beyond and and that yeah there's there's some people and 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 a few players could make more money but i i think it's over a hundred thousand dollars a year that you know a, a student athlete receives in benefits and and scholarship and training and all of the the coaching and all that and that's why all the european uh kids when they're graduating high school they want to come over here to the united states because it's it's a great model um can we do things to improve it yeah i think that those are things like the cost of attendance was something that was was needed to to make sure that those that didn't have enough resources could go to school and 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 because of the demands of their their uh sport that they could they could um hone their craft in their sport and not have to worry about getting a summer job or something like that. And then, and then what people don't know is if there truly is need, they can get an additional over $5,000 in, in, in Pell grants. So, so I think there's an opportunity, you know, to, we need to communicate. We need to, 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 to boast about the, the good things going on. Um, in all our sports, we have 550 student athletes. And if, if that's changed too much, then then there may not be 500 opportunities for for student athletes to participate in intercollegiate athletics, and so we need to protect that that model, but improve it and 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 move it forward because it's a it's a great model that's envied you know worldwide. The um, basketball topic that that you touched on briefly, um, obviously, 50 college programs, according to Pete Thamel, who reported on Yahoo. Uh, could be compromised through the ongoing federal investigation into college basketball. You said to keep the sport moving forward and not go backwards. Here, here's the interesting thing. I, I don't know how you clean it up, and I'd be interested to hear your opinion on how you do so. You've already got a pretty thick rule book when it comes to NCAA rules and regulations. And what you're talking about on the other side is possible criminal activity uh, you know, as being investigated by the FBI and others, we know people have been indicted. We know those trials don't take place till 19. There's been speculation that some of that information uh, that's been garnered through, you know, interviews through the FBI may come forward and be at the disposal of the NCAA. I don't know, Jim, how do you clean up college basketball? Because what we're seeing in this is is really the true underbelly of the sport that is alive and well. Well, I, I think one thing the NBA can do is is adopt something similar to the baseball model, where um, Major League Baseball, where there, where a kid, if he truly you know has no interest in college of going to college that and just wants to to play basketball, that he can go to the NBA directly. Mm-hmm. And I think that does a lot to to uh, you know really then and then give them three years to to go through mature. Hopefully, you know, with summer school, uh, we're, they're taking credits in the summer now, and, and so they could get a degree in three and a half years and, and, and have that as they go to the NBA because it's, you know, less than 2% that, that of college basketball players that even make it. So, so to, to protect that, I think to give opportunity, uh, 
I think the NBA, that would be a great move to adopt that, and that would be a great start. A couple more minutes with Jim Sterk, the Director of Athletics at the University of Missouri. Travis Ford will join us in our next segment here on KMOX. I'm Mike Kelly. This is Sports on a Sunday. Recruiting uh, receptions coming up. Uh, you, you had one in Kansas City last week. We had a chance to visit with Derek Dooley. Really enjoyed speaking with him earlier in the program. Springfield uh, coming up this week. More than 300 tickets have been sold for that event. Coming to St. Louis on Thursday, just over 100 tickets sold there. Um, you know, obviously, I used to call it, Jim, that when Missouri would go to a bowl game on the face of Mizzou fans during the next offseason, you would see that perpetual smile because their team had returned to postseason play. Have you seen that from Tiger fans? Yeah, I have, and I, I think people are really excited. Uh, you know, Barry, it was complicated with recruiting this year um, uh, with the early signing period, December 21st, right in the middle of bowl practice and as we're heading to, to the Texas Bowl. But but um, I think he did a great job of getting um, a, a great group of kids that, that we need and, and can develop, and I think, I think Coach Pinkle was really made made hay with, you know, those kind of three- and four-star kids that – that want to be, um, that want to improve and, and hone their craft and really want to play for Mizzou. And I, I think he, he signed it. Well, I know he signed a couple of uh, post-grad kids that are, that are coming that could help too. And so, so I think it, it's, and the best recruiting was on Drew Locke and for mm-hmm. Drew to say, I, I think that, that really, uh, uh, for, so he, they were busy in this off season and, and, um, already spring ball is going to start the first part of March and uh, our spring games, the 14th. So, so it's, it's, it's coming. And I think people get a chance to, to meet our coaches. There's some great camaraderie with that, that group of coaches that, um, you, uh, you ha- have to have a little thick skin cause they'll dig you a little bit, but I, I think that's all healthy in there. They're doing a great job, and I, I, I'm excited about where football is and, and the culture that Barry's developing in the program, and I think I think people around the state should be very excited as well. And I'm excited that the SEC tournament is going to be right here, oh, just from where I'm sitting, a couple of blocks away in just a couple of weeks. Less than 1,900 tickets remain and an opportunity for Mizzou to paint St. Louis uh, black and gold, Jim. Yeah, it's really neat. We've obviously sold out of ours right away, but I think people need to to pay attention and listen. Uh, you know, for for opportunity, if they get, haven't gotten a ticket, that um, you know, if if there there'll be single game tickets available, uh, both both through the SEC and I, I I can't remember the name of the the there's a a company that kind of runs the the tickets the secondary ticket market and and there'll be tickets there as well. So as as people. You know, maybe their team won't play till Friday, and so there's there's tickets available to watch watch teams. So there'll be some great basketball. Um, as we talked about at the start of the show, that, that it, or start of my time, that you know the the bottom half of the league just beat the top half of the league, and mm-hmm. so I I think anybody could win the tournament, and so it'll it'll be uh, it'll be a fun tournament to watch. Um, so if you can get there, it'd be a great show. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. That's Jim Sterk. When we return, a conversation with Derek Dooley. On this week's Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast, brought to you by Shelter Insurance. Does this sound like you? Or is this more like it? Or maybe your inner biker sounds like... No matter what motorcycle motor is music to your ears, Shelter Insurance has a policy that's music to your wallet. Shelter insures your fun stuff. Motorcycles to riding mowers, ATVs to RVs, bikes to bass boats. If it rides, rolls, or floats, we can cover it. Shelter Insurance. We're your shield. We're your shelter. Derek Dooley's the new offensive coordinator at Missouri. 
Here's my conversation with him. The University of Missouri has a new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He's a guy that uh, whose name is synonymous with the, the SEC conference. Derek Dooley joins us on KMOX. Derek, good morning. Welcome to St. Louis. Mike. Welcome to uh, to the University of Missouri. Well, I appreciate it. It's good to be here, and thanks for having me on the show. i got to tell you, I had the honor of meeting your, your father one time in, in, in my career. It happened in 2001. I was actually in an elevator with him prior to an NCAA men's basketball team, played in 01 between Missouri as a nine seed and Georgia as an eight seed. And I said to him, I said, Coach Dooley, man, I, I've been a big fan of yours. It's an honor to meet you. Um, you know, I do the play-by-play at the University of Missouri, and he said, Mike, it's great to meet you, but I'm afraid you're going to be uh, you're going to be watching the Georgia Bulldogs win today. <laughs> well, he stood the test of time, which is a hard thing to do in this league. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, appreciate the compliment, and uh, it was fun, kind of growing up as a coach's kid and mm-hmm. watching all this. Of course, it was a little different era back then. Uh, but I was really grateful to be a part of that experience. This is revisionist history, but but how does a guy go from law school and practicing law to deciding that football was the itch? Well, that was a long time ago, and everybody asked that question. And, you know, the better question was how does a guy who grew up around football <laughs> Go to law school. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, go to law school. And that was what I was thinking uh, after about a year into practicing law. Yeah, I went – I was kind of ready to get out of football. I was – uh, you know, growing up in it, standing on the sidelines, playing in college, and I was just looking for – I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. So I went to law school uh, for no really better options or, or better ideas and uh, kind of got the fever and uh, got a job and started practicing. And about a year into it was really the first time I started thinking about what I wanted to do with my life, which is a little bit later than what I would recommend young people. So at age 20 – six or 27 or so i decided you know what i want to coach i miss football i miss all the things about it and i'm glad i made that decision why uh mizzou at this stage what what was it about barry odom and his program that attracted Derek dooley well uh you know i'd been at the at dallas for five years and the nfl for five years and it was really a great experience for me uh certainly after the tennessee experience to sort of uh, rethink things, uh, try to learn from the mistakes I'd made in the past, see how I could grow as a coach. Uh, but I was ready to get back into the college game. Uh, love being around college uh, students and helping them grow and mentoring them and develop. And certainly just watching uh, Coach Odom uh, just from afar and the job that he did last year and keeping this team together and really turning it uh, impressed me so much. And then when I got to, to know him, I uh, known some people who knew him, and just everybody says such great things about him as a as a man and as a coach. And I was just excited to get back into the game, and I appreciate the opportunity he's given me. Did uh, you share an agent in Jimmy Sexton? Did he initially put you two together? Uh, you'll have to ask Coach Odom that. Uh, so I never had any talks with Jimmy about 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 Barry at all. So uh, it was really uh, in my mind just between me and him. Yeah, as you look at. Uh... The way you've been received so far by by Mizzou fans, obviously you were in Kansas City last week for a recruiting function. You're going to be in Springfield this week. In fact, they've sold more than 300 tickets for that recruiting function. Then you come to St. Louis on Thursday, and I think just over 100 tickets sold in St. Louis. So still time for people to get on board here in this city. But what's been the reaction from Mizzou fans? What have you gleaned from them? Well, everybody's excited, I, you know, and I think that's always the case. Any program you go into and somebody's new, you know, the important thing is 
that whether they're excited now or not excited really doesn't matter. It's the job that we do with these young kids and the product we put out on the field next next fall, and that's what we're really keeping our focus on. How much have you actually had time to just sit down and, and, and watch tape and get to familiarize yourself with, with not only your quarterback, who certainly comes with, with high regard, but every other player on the offensive unit? I think you returned nine starters. Yeah, that's really all we've been doing. Uh, but it's not just watching the tape. You know, it's then we're building this system and an offense uh, that everybody can feel comfortable performing in. Uh, and a lot of it, it's going to be work in progress because as much tape as you watch, you really don't know the players uh, as well as you need to know them until you get out on the field and you're asking them to do things that maybe you didn't see them do on tape to see if they can do it. So our challenge is to get out here this spring. We're going to probably throw a lot at them to see what they can do, see what what they can't do, and then try to build the offense around that. Ideally, what are your priorities on the offensive side of the ball? Well, I think the the most important thing is that we build on the things they did well because uh, they did some great things on offense last year. Certainly, the statistically, uh, you know, if you just measured it on that alone, it's you would say, why would you do anything different? Uh, but when you really look at the games, uh, if we can build on what we did well but then try to help our defense a little bit uh, better in some situations and even against some of those tougher opponents, that's where it gets challenging because in this league, when you're playing the Georgias and you're playing the Alabamas and you're playing the Auburns, all those teams that historically just have dominating defensive lines, very good defense, having a little flexibility uh, in your offense and some different things that you can do uh, to try to generate some some more yards and points against those teams. That's the real challenge. Yeah, you know this very well, uh, having experienced for so many years. This is a this is a conference that is dominated by big, rugged defensive linemen that can run sideline to sideline. That's exactly right. And you know, when I when I came back after five years in the NFL, there's a lot of things that changed. And what did not change is that the SEC is a line of scrimmage league, and it has been that ever since I was a kid. Uh, and if you don't have a way uh, to handle the line of scrimmage, you're going to have a long day. And, you know, I think that's probably what separates this league from every other league out there because every league's got great skill, got backs, they have quarterbacks, they have receivers, they have secondary guys. But what they, what they find out is when you can't block their four up front, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how good you are on the perimeter, you're going to have a hard time all day. Yeah, and sometimes they're three up front. Uh, Derek Dooley is Missouri's offensive coordinator, also the quarterback's coach. Okay, let's, let's talk about your quarterback coming off of the, the, the best single season in Southeastern Conference history. Of course, talking about Drew Locke, it was the right decision for him to explore. It was the right decision for him to come back. As you look at that young man's, I guess, sets his 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 talent sets what 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 are the things that that stand out about drew lock well i mean what stands out is what the things that you know my wife can notice i mean he's got a big arm uh he's a great competitor he he probably is uh as good a production on the deep ball as i've seen and that's really what carried their offense last year they had just a tremendous number of plays over 50 yards um so, but then there's a lot of room for growth, and I think that's the biggest thing is is trying to help him uh, sort of learning how to manage games, uh, learning how to uh, not put the ball at risk in certain mm-hmm. situations, and uh, trying to understand situational football a little bit better. And and you know that's probably the growth that we'll try to have with Drew. Uh, he's he's certainly a great talent. 
I'm looking forward to working with him, and hopefully we can get him a little bit better uh, to help us win a few more games. Because of the amount of experience that he has, and every quarterback you talk to, as as you know, the game slows down as they get to play more. Uh, How much more can you throw at this guy comparatively to other college quarterbacks because of, again, the vast experience that he's had playing the position? Yeah, we won't answer that question probably until next fall, and I think that's the the very important thing for me is to not throw so much at him that all of a sudden he's not performing at the same level he did last year. Uh, So we're going to try to push him as much as we can. Uh, As long as he can keep going, then uh, we'll keep pushing him. But the minute we feel like we're putting too much on him, that's our job to back it down uh, because – you know, on offense, it's more important. Those guys play fast. They believe in what you're doing. They know what they're doing uh, more than any play you can put in. Does offensive football still begin with tempo? I mean, give, give me your thoughts on where you think the game is going. We we saw so much in terms of fastball and pace and tempo. Uh, is it going to continue in that trend? I think I think the tempo is here to stay for a while. Uh, and it, it's just so important because it gives you uh, an advantage over defenses uh, where they're having to, to think fast. They can't really uh, dissect you as quickly as you can. But at the same time, tempo can hurt you. And I think that's the real challenge. You know, college, these college offenses are so explosive uh, in that because they're going so fast. They're spreading the field from sideline to sideline. Uh, but then there's times in a game where the tempo can hurt you. And you know, all of a sudden, you're, if you're not having success and they're getting opportunity after opportunity on the other side, the tempo starts wearing on your own defense. So I do think there's some, an element of complementary football. And, you know, if you, look at, if you look at the teams at the top, I mean, you look at uh, the teams in the Final Four last year. You had Georgia, you know, you had Alabama, you had Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma was a was a heavy tempo team. Correct. Georgia and Alabama also tempoed, but they also had had elements where they slowed the game down and they ran the ball a little bit. And I think it helped their defense a little bit settle down as well. Well, one of the testimonies too to to, to Saban and the job that he's done is to be able to adapt on both sides of the football to combat the speed of the game. Oh yeah, well he you know I think I, he told me about four years ago he was going to the dark side. <laughs> you know all this spread and and i think the big thing where you know where he's always uh he's always been sort of on cutting edge on offense only because he had to work on it to defend on defense and that was how he thought about it is i'm playing all these teams and i'm not practicing against this at home i better get my offense to start doing some of this stuff that these other offenses are doing so i can practice defending it and, uh, you know, so there's an element of complementary football you got to have. Hopefully some of the things that we're going to do uh, on our side of the ball are going to help our defense as well in practice, you know, because last year in practice all they had to defend was sort of the high-tempo, you know, the run RPO game and, and didn't see a lot of the drop-back concepts that they were seeing on Saturday. And so there's an element of when you're a little more flexible on offense, your defense is getting to practice against it uh, when you're going against each other in training camp and in spring practice, and that helps them uh, with their rules. One final thought, Derek. Just, uh, of course, you return a very talented tight end and just going to be a sophomore in Albert Okue Boonham, um, a guy who at one point in time was leading off. I'm glad off. you didn't ask me how to say that because you, you, you hit it. You hit the home run right there. Well, and you're going to go Albert O most of the time. 
Albert O. <laughs> Just your impressions of the the young man. Uh, yeah, he's he's certainly very talented. He's got good size. He can run, and he made some big plays in some big games last year. So uh, we're going to give him every opportunity to make those plays, and hopefully a little bit more. And um, you know, a lot of these guys I think will benefit from some of the things that we're going to be doing, and hopefully he'll be one of them. I'm Mike Kelly. That does it for this week's edition of the Inside Mizzou Athletics Podcast, brought to you by Shelter Insurance. This has been Inside Mizzou Athletics with Mike Kelly, brought to you by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation.